Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 174. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, How's your week going? How are you doing? So I'm really excited about this episode. I get to interview a lot of people and it's ace. I love it. One of my favorite things. And I get to experience different people and how they do things. And it's not very often, because obviously this is my world and I'm interviewing people about stuff I know. It's not very often I come away and I'm like, there's that idea and that idea and that idea and that idea. Because like I said, I do a lot of this stuff. This is what I do. So, and I love it when that's the case. I love it when I get to be the student. And today's episode is so, so good. I can't even tell you. Like I literally was just re-listening to it. And normally when I re-listen, I like skip and think, oh yeah, she mentioned that. Oh yeah. And just to kind of like spur my memory on and go, what did we talk about again? So that I can give you a couple of kind of, you know, exciting things that are going to come up. And I've literally just been sat here making notes, just listening to it again for way too long because it was so good. It was so good. And she said so many things that have kind of stuck with me. And to the point where I was like, right, whatever you've got, I'm signing up. I want to be part of it because I really, really enjoyed this conversation. She explained things in such a way that really, yeah, just in ways that I hadn't heard before. And I just thought it was great. So let me tell you about today's episode. So today I interview the amazing Christina Jandali, who is a confidence-boosting, cash-creating business growth strategist who helps coaches and course creators build a raving fan base so that they can sell through free Facebook groups. 
She's a self-made millionaire who started her business from ground zero during maternity leave from her corporate job when she decided it was time to build her own dreams and not someone else's. Since then, she has helped thousands of entrepreneurs from across the globe to create their own businesses using free Facebook groups. Christine has also been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, no, Huffington Post and Evercoach. So let me tell you about this conversation. So Christina came on to talk about Facebook groups. It's not something I have talked about very much. We haven't done many episodes about it. And I don't have a free Facebook group. So obviously, from my point of view, I I feel like my knowledge isn't great on this. Obviously, I run a Facebook group, but it's part of the paid program. And I feel like, and you'll hear in this conversation, that they are two very different things. So I was really excited to have her on. Also, I was excited because it turned out that Christina was part of some James Wedmore stuff and therefore we know some similar people. So that was cool. But she's really successful. And and the way she's built her business using Facebook groups has been genius. Like, it's been so good. And the way she had to explain how to use it and what to do, I was like literally scribbling down notes And then, as I've just said, I listened to it again and I'm scribbling down more notes. It was so good. And in fact, after the interview, we stayed on and chatted for like 30 minutes. And she was asking about my business and what I want to do. And and she was talking about ways in which, you know, ideas that I could use. It was amazing. She was so good. So we talk about things like managing groups, how to manage them, how to get them started, and some of the ways that she used to build her groups in the early days. We then talk about what she does in terms of content, because one of my biggest questions was, why would I have a free group if I've got a paid group? How do I know what content's different? How do I know what gets offered to the Academy members or to the free group? And I don't want to overlap it and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, she came up with a really good strategy that she teaches in terms of how to come up with the content for your Facebook groups and how they all lead into your paid product, which I just thought was genius. It was such a good conversation. Honestly, like I think I've got a bit of a, you know, business fangirl on her because it was so, so good. Um, And like I said, I immediately went and had a look at her site. I've had a look at some of her stuff. I've signed up some stuff. So she's great. I think you're going to really find this useful, even if, because bearing in mind all this time, I don't have a free Facebook group. So really, you would think that the content wouldn't apply, but just loads of things she said. I was like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. So I really hope you're going to enjoy today's episode. So I'm going to stop wittering on and leave you to it to go and listen. Enjoy today's episode. Here is Christina. So I am really excited today to welcome the very lovely Christina Jandali to the podcast. Christina, how are you doing? I'm fabulous. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. I'm really glad for you to be here. I'm really excited about today's topic and what we're going to be talking about. But before we get into any of that, it would be great if you could give my audience an idea of who you are and how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah. So I run a seven-figure online education coaching company, helping online business owners, coaches, course creators um, grow and scale their business using Facebook groups. And, um, it didn't, it didn't just uh, fall upon my lap to get into Facebook at one point in time. <laughs> like, yeah, I just woke up one day and I'd got this seven figure business. It was to do Facebook groups. It was great. It was lovely. <laughs> like, ta-da! Yeah, thank <laughs> you right. very much. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So it actually came about when I was, when I actually started online and I just found that things aren't, were not happening as fast as I had hoped. And I had spent years working in the corporate space and had a successful corporate career and started online and, and coaching and consulting. And as I got started, things just were not happening. So I remember I was going to getting dressed up and I would be going to these networking events in person. And so I lived like in the suburbs in Vancouver and I would I would get dressed up. I would leave my baby. I would spend an hour driving to go into town to show up to this event. I'd come home and I'd get, you know, a few business cards from people and I'd slowly collect these business cards one by one, adding them and typing them into my autoresponder for these contacts. I was like, this cannot be the way. (laughs) Yes. And so when I really got honest with myself and sat down and to look at it, I realized that like, what was it that I was missing, right? I was kind of looking on, there's all these strategies, all these, these things that I can do, but what, what really was it that I was missing and how had I created success before in, you know, in my corporate career and why was it not landing? And that's when I really realized that I was missing the opportunity of really creating true relationships and connection with my people. And I knew that it was possible to do online. I see people doing it. So how is the best way to be able to create that connection online and build those relationships with my potential clients online? And that's when I had this realization that a Facebook group is the opportunity to create that community, that connection, and really start to build those relationships with those people. So that first month I started my Facebook group, I hadn't even had a five-figure month in my business yeah. at all at this point in time. You know, I've been really feeling like it was just like this push and this push. That first month that I opened my Facebook group, I did $30,000 in cash received in the bank, not even sales, like money in the bank. And I was like, whoa, wow. I'm onto something. Yeah. That's amazing. So what were you doing in corporate before you moved into online and what what was that step? Why did you decide to leave a corporate role and go and start your own thing? Yeah, so I was in um, wealth management in finance. So basically wealthy people would give us their money to invest into the stock market, into mutual funds, into bonds mm-hmm. and so on. So we would take do financial plans and invest their money. So I had the privilege and the of being able to work with a lot of wealthy people. So just really recognizing like how they think differently. What do they do? How did they create their businesses? Where did they get started? So, you know, I spent a number of years working with these people and just learning from my experiences from that. But what happened was because I w- it was tied to the stock market and because I live in Vancouver, that means the stock market opens on based on East Coast time. So 6.30 in the morning, my time, stock market's yeah. open. So I'd have to be into the office before the stock market would open and be available to be connecting with clients. And after just having a baby, yeah, I just knew that I didn't want to be shipping her off and sticking her in daycare and getting her up at the crack of dawn, before dawn even, right, to yeah. get her to ship her off to daycare. And I just knew that... Um, I was meant to be living a bigger, greater life than I was experiencing that. And I didn't want to be building someone else's dreams for the rest of my life. I really wanted to build building my own dreams and also demonstrate to my daughter what was possible for a woman to go after her dreams unapologetically. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So uh, you went into coaching. So your your business, because obviously your Facebook group business or what you do now around talking about Facebook groups, that isn't what you initially started selling. That isn't your your thing. So what was it that you started offering as a product that you then used Facebook groups to help you with? Yeah. So when I started, I was actually, I made things a lot more difficult on myself because I couldn't <laughs> pick the one niche, the one area. I was like, I can help everybody. <laughs> I can yeah. do everything. 
And so because my background was in the financial space, I knew how to grow a seven-figure, multiple seven-figure business in the financial space, like in the corporate world. Because it's kind of like a realtor works for a company, but they run their own business. Same within the financial space under the umbrella of a company, but people are running their own businesses with inside it. And so I knew how to grow and scale the teams and really build out the processes and and have that scalability there. So it's like, well, that's easy. I know I could do that in my sleep. So I started working with financial advisors in one area. And then on the flip side area, I wanted to work with just business owners. And it was very broad in general. You know, I had, you know, at the beginning, it was like a photographer. There was, you know, uh, mortgage brokers, financial advisors, artists. There's a whole smorgasbord of different people (laughs) I was trying to serve in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And it just... It proves that point of, see, I don't have a niche and I know that is to my detriment in some instances because you know you can help so many people and I really like the variety of helping them. But from a business point of view, you lose that focus in terms of how you go about getting those people, making sure you're only talking to those people. And Okay, so you discovered Facebook groups. So how many years ago was this when you first started your first Facebook group? It was about five years ago now. Okay. Five years ago now. And you set up the group. What was the purpose of the group? Can you remember? So I called the group, the group was called Sassy Successful Entrepreneurs. And I figured that I've got to get somewhat niche. So I focused on like, I'm going to focus on female entrepreneurs and So I called it the Sassy Successful Entrepreneurs. And I really wanted to create a space where women could collaborate and connect together and learn from each other and share and just kind of create a hub of support rather than having that experience of competition. I allowed people to promote my group. I encouraged it. I wanted people to collaborate. And so it was really from this place of like, let's create a community and and, uh, of pulling these women together where they'd have the opportunity to have the safe space to be able to share, to be able to open and to be able to grow together. Mm, I love that. And so I just want to like pick up on one thing you said, and we're going to come to some tactics and things in a bit, but like one thing you just said there was you allowed them to promote. Now I only have a Facebook group that is a paid for, i.e. it's part of my membership. So I don't have a free Facebook group. So I'm always interested in that as to whether I should, but you know, I, I, and we'll come to that, but mine's only part of a paid membership. So I am really easygoing about promoting. And strangely Mm -hmm. enough, just today, one of my members DM me and said they've hooked up with another member and they're going to do this collaboration together. And it's really great. And I love it when I see that. Like, I love it when they use each other and lots of them have got business from each other, which I think is brilliant. But isn't like promoting in Facebook groups, don't most people say that's a no-no? You know, lots of groups I'm in, not that I, I'm more of a voyeur, well, not even a voyeur, to be honest. I, I'm not very good at being active in Facebook groups as a guest in a group. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm very active in my own because it's part of my membership. But but I know lots of groups I'm in, that's not the done thing. You're not allowed to promote your staff. So I'm just interested as to, is that a strategy you still hold today? And what do you think of the promoting in groups? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I do not allow promotion in groups that I host now. And I did in the beginning and it was probably more common in the beginning, but I also think that, you know, what happens is like, it takes one rotten apple to kind of ruin it for everybody, so to speak. And I think that in the beginning, especially in, in the group, I knew that 
I wanted to support women with making their offers. I wanted to support them with gaining visibility. I wanted to support them with putting themselves out there. And I thought, well, who am I to put together a community that wasn't allowing them to practice, wasn't allowing them to put themselves out there and to demonstrate that. And so that was part of the experience with it. And, and it's just, you get to create the culture and the experience that you have for people. So if you want to have the group that really is focused on collaboration and connection and growing together, you get to create, uh, you get to create the culture that's going to happen inside of your group. Now, unfortunately, what happens is, you know, you start uh, over time, I started to see that people weren't members of the group, like, oh, there's this group and there's thousands of people and they're, oh, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to drop a link to something. Yeah, They weren't even a member that was adding value to the group. And then it just mm-hmm. felt off. And so then you have, I just end up spending more and more time managing who was actually effectively showing up and serving the group and then sharing something versus people that weren't. And it just became a, more of a headache than anything and just decided to change like enough of that. We're not going to do that anymore. But in the beginning, I just, it worked actually really well. And I think that, um, you know, when people really are showing up in service and connecting, I mean, there's no way that you can serve every single member in a side of a free group. There's mm-hmm. no way you're going to serve every single member in your paid programs mm-hmm. and not everything is going to be aligned. And so why not be able to allow other people to kind of grow together? but the, the climate's changed a bit since then. Yeah, and I think you raised such a good point in the fact of not everyone will, my my members, I love the fact that they say, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe and, and my members are beautiful, amazing human beings. And, and you know, I'm very lucky that that everyone's so respectful about each other and the stuff they mm-hmm. post and, and how the community there is in there but I get it. I get, I watch some other groups and I have to say there's some people in these groups who, how they're getting away with it. I am not entirely sure because basically they are mining the group that isn't theirs. And, and that to me, I get how that is wrong. And I get why people would instill those rules around it because you've just spent all this time putting together this amazing group you in the early days and and I guess we'll talk about this it'd be great to talk about you know you're having to do a lot of work in the early days to get people in the group to get them engaged to have conversations to do all this stuff and the last thing you want to do is once you spend all that time and effort someone just drop in and go oh by the way over here look what I've got and just basically take all your hard work so so that makes you know perfect sense so so you've got this group, you've created it, you've got people in it. Was it easy to build? Was it, did you find it difficult? Did it take time? Yeah. So in the beginning, I remember just, I was worried. I didn't want to be like the one group where no one was talking and that nobody was yeah. inside it. Right? Like it was a big fear of mine. I'm like, yeah. What if no one shows up? What if no one's going to be talking? So I was like, I don't want that. So what is it that I have to focus on to make sure that that's not the experience that my group is going to be like? And so, okay, I need numbers. I need people in the group. That's like step one. I need to make sure that I'm I'm growing the group and I have enough people in the group. And so in the beginning, I just focused like that very first month. That was the only thing I I took everything off of my plate in my business. And now I don't necessarily recommend this to everyone, but this is like, I can be slightly obsessive. Sometimes entrepreneurs will like grab a hold of an idea, right? And go all in. So I basically decided like, I wasn't going to focus on anything else, but growing my group for an entire month. That was the only area of focus. I wasn't going to focus on selling. I wasn't going to focus on anything. I was just going to focus on growth. And so I went from zero to, I think it was 800 and eight to 900 members inside of my group in that first month, just as a result of doing that. So I kind of made a milestone hundred people. And I think it was about 48 hours. I'm like, that's all I'm going to do. And I just literally DM'd people 
that I had met online that I had connected with that yeah. were in other groups that just connect, you know, any of the, anyone that was like kind of my contacts list that I thought might be like somewhat, <laughs> somewhat yeah. a female entrepreneur. Yeah. I just reached out to and connected with and let them know. Like it was, so it was, it was definitely a bit of that hustle in the beginning of getting those first members coming in. But what happens is the more that you start to pick up the pace of growth of your group, Facebook naturally shows your group to other people. And so your the pace at which your group grows increases significantly with less effort when you are in that momentum of growth. So yeah. that was probably the key piece was just focusing on growth. And that was it. So anything I did was like, how is this? contributing to growing my group. How is this, how, what am I doing here? And how is that going to bring people into my group? So that was my entire focus. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, so let's talk about kind of the next step in terms of you're getting people in You're you're doing loads of outreach to get people in, which obviously is helping getting people in the group. And I think, I think this is sometimes what happens where people, I don't, obviously I don't know about this as much as you do, but people set up groups and they just expect, well, this happens about marketing generally. They do something and just expect people to come flooding in and then they're shocked when, oh my word, no, like why didn't people just suddenly join? So you're doing all the work, you're getting those people in. Right. The thing that I struggle with the most is the content piece of it. Okay. Mm. So We've got a group where people are coming in who they don't know each other. They don't know what the group's about yet. They're, and, and you're going to have to be very active in the early days, I'm guessing. But it's not just about being active. It's about being active with what? Because for me, where I am, and I'm not saying that I'm looking at a Facebook group or not, uh, you know, it's, it's not on my agenda, I have to say, for the next foreseeable. But but one of the reasons it's not is because I have a paid group. And then I think, well, what would I be offering in that group that I'm, how would that overlap? Would I be given too much content? And I know me, I am a giver. Like, you know, someone books in for a 15 minute call to do something and it's like half an hour later and I'm still giving them ideas. I just can't help myself because I love what I do mm-hmm. so much. So how do you, like, what does that content look like? How do you manage that? Because, because, Purely, purely, surely that's the way you've got to encourage people in the group. Because why would I join that group? What am I getting from it? Mm-hmm. Have I made any sense of all that? This is so good. <laughs> this is yes, no. This is so good. And and you know, for myself, when I started my group in the beginning, it was very much the same way. Like I was just pouring out content. I was creating a ton of value and experiences in there, and it worked. But there also came a point where I was like, I was spending my whole day yeah. in my group, like active in my group, and I was like, well but let's really just take a look at, let's take this seriously as a business tool, not just a fun place to hang out and to, you know, give value and feel important because we get a lot of feedback when we're, you know, when we're giving value to people, right? We get a lot of positive feedback and it fuels us, fills us up and then we get excited want to do more of it and so on, right? And, um, but when I really took a look at it as a business tool, I was really, I really wanted to look at like, what is actually moving the needle in the group? right? Like, what is it? Is it all of the pieces that I'm doing? Like, what is it that's really moving the needle in my group? And how can I shrink that down to the least amount of time possible and still be effective and transformational for the people that are in there? Mm-hmm. So I think the important thing to recognize is you think about like it, sort of the ecosystem of, of, you know, social media. If you think like your, your uh, Facebook business page or your Instagram account, right? Those are public pages. When people look you up, there's, it's like you're an online business card. Someone goes on there and they decide like, oh, do I want to know more about this person or not? Mm-hmm. So it's like the storefront, the online business card, the storefront. It's like the, you have the window dressing out there for people to say, oh yeah, I kind of want to know a little bit more about this person. Yeah. 
But your group, on the other hand, is like, come on inside, come in in the store, like, come hang out in my digital living room, let's kick back and let's relax. So the level of intimacy that you have inside of your group is, is not even comparable to what you're doing ex- externally on other places because it's public. And so your group's private. So not everyone has the opportunity to see what's going on. So it has a level of exclusivity and a, a deeper connection. Now, when you're looking at that in comparison to, okay, well, I have a paid group. So what's the difference that lies between a paid group? So I want you to think that when you have a paid group, you are giving someone direction and an experience. You're giving someone a roadmap. So whether it's a membership or a course or something that you've sold, you're you've, you've given someone a roadmap and the content that you give inside of your group or the support that you give inside of your group is to help your members execute on the, the content that is in the paid program mm-hmm. to help them move out of their own way or to get support with what might be hanging them up and getting in the way from that. But I want you to think on the flip side of it, your free group The purpose of your free group is to evoke desire and demand for your paid offer. So the purpose of your free group, yeah, is to pull these people, your leads together in an environment together where you get to have a shared experience, where you get to create demand to move people to go into your paid program. So you're not going into all of the nitty gritty, you're not stacking all of the how-tos in your free group. Because what happens then, you ever had this experience? You say you see posts on Facebook and you're like, oh, this is good, and you save it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go back to those saved messages Never. and actually go through them? Never. Never, or, right? Like, yeah, hardly ever do you go back and find them. Yes. And so what happens is, and I I I I was I did this before and 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 I was, was like giving away so much content, thinking if I just give more value, people are gonna see how I can help they're gonna want to do business. But it was actually doing the opposite. I was creating band-aid solutions that were one off. So let's say someone had a question, I addressed their question. I would address their question and they think that they would be set to go, but they didn't realize how it fit into the roadmap. I didn't realize how it fit into the bigger picture. So if I gave, let's say, um, let's say someone was talking about, well, how do, you know, since we're talking about Facebook groups as an example, let's say someone says, well, how do I, you know, how do I set up my group description in my Facebook group? And so let's just say I started responding and saying, you know, what yeah. to put on your group description. Well, if they don't understand the bigger purpose of their group and the experience mm. that they're creating in there, that's not going to do them any good. Nope. Right? And so, so what happens is when we put in a ton of context, we want to give more and more value, we stack all these Band-Aid solutions. And then the person is confused because they don't know how it fits together. They're like, okay, well, I've got you know 20 things to do here, 10 things to do here. So what's first? What's next? How does it fit with that? And so what happens is the members get overwhelmed and they get confused and they're craving clarity. They don't want a million steps, mm. right? They don't want a million steps. What they want is clarity on what they need to do right now. And so when we're pumping out a lot of how-to content, we're overwhelming our audience. We're providing band-aid solutions. And what happens is either they save it and say, great, I'll come back to it later, which they never do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they take it and run with it and they try it and it doesn't work because it was taken out of context because they didn't see the big picture And then they say, oh, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, I'm not going to pay attention to them anymore. So either way, you've lost the opportunity to create demand for your program or your product. So the intention of your group instead, rather, is to bring people on a buyer's journey to move them through to the buying decision. And then once they cross the line in the buying decision, you get to go deeper and really lay out the roadmap for them and help help them get out of their own way and help them execute on what they need to do in order to get the results they're looking for. Does that make sense? That makes really good sense. 
So what would, and, and, and you're so right, you know, I was just thinking here as we're talking, you know, I could have a group, I could just go live once a week, I could answer questions, but you're right. Like someone saying to me, should I do a lead magnet on this or should I join Clubhouse or should I, it's like, do you know what? There are a million, which is why I love coaching calls so much, because inevitably I've got a million questions to ask back before I can give them an informed decision. Because like you said, it's just one part of a much bigger process. So I can totally see how just providing value of going in a group and saying, hey, this is this and this is this. So how do you, what does that actually, what does that content look like then? If, if you know, if the content isn't a, Q&A or isn't a you know here's my five tips for Clubhouse you know what what would that look like so let's we'll we'll take a step back for a moment and take a look at like we want to you know think about when you have a jar and if you have rocks you've got pebbles you've got sand you've probably seen this experiment before if you fill the jar with sand first you can't fit the rocks or the pebbles and it's full but if you fill the jar first with the big rocks and then you fill the cracks with the small pebbles and then you pour sand, you can fill it all into the jar. So you want to take a look at what are the big rocks that are that you're going to put in the jar first. Those are your biggest priorities. And so that's going to be whatever your sales mechanism is. So if you're selling through a challenge, if you're selling through a webinar, if you're selling through a live video series, whatever it is that you're going to be, that's your sales system that is moving your your leads into becoming buyers becomes the rocks inside of your group. Those are your main core elements. And so some people choose to have one of those a month. Some people might be looking at every other month or once a quarter, but those are your main core rocks that go into it. So once you have those laid out, so let's say you have um, you know, four, one per quarter, one of those core elements per quarter, then you're looking at, okay, so we want to get people into that sales system, into the challenge, into the masterclass series, whatever that might be. So now we get to look at, okay, what are the pebbles now? The pebbles are going to be now your, your core weekly content that's going to start creating conversation or demand for that sales system. So let's say as an example, um, you were talking about lead magnets before. Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's say you have one of your core rocks is going to be a challenge on creating your first funnel, right? Mm-hmm. Your first email sequence funnel, which yeah. goes from lead magnet to email sequence. So then that would be, okay, so we want to create demand and desire for a funnel. So each week when you do a weekly live stream, it's on a topic related to that bigger topic. And so let's say one week might be, let's say one week of training could be on, um, you know, the, the 10 hottest lead magnets that get, that get people signing up like crazy. And so that could be a top five or something like that. That could be a post. It could be a live stream, whatever that would be. So that might be one core piece of content that week. So now we want to look at, okay, what are we going to fill in the sand for that week in order to create demand for that core piece of training? So then we're thinking about, okay, one core piece of training is going to be on this, like, you know, these hot, juicy lead magnets that people are responsive to, right? What's going to get them to click? What's going to get them to want to sign up? Then on, let's, let's say we did that on a Thursday. So on Monday, we might say, um, you know, do you have, uh, it might be a question about um, how do you feel about your lead magnet? Or do you have a lead magnet? Or do you have a way to capture leads on your website? So you're just asking a simple engagement question that's really easy to answer. And it's starting to create conversation around what you're going to talk about that week on your live stream. So now you're starting conversation around it. Then that might be day one. The next day might be my biggest flops 
lead magnet ever that zero people signed up for and what I learned uh-huh. from it. So then everyone's like, oh, what did she do wrong? Like, I want to learn from this, but I don't want to make that same mistake. So again, you're creating conversation around that topic. So it's talking about a mistake that you've made. Then the third day, you might be talking in, uh, you know, maybe it's another, maybe it's another, uh, you know, piece on what, um, so again, we're speaking about a lead bank. So maybe this, this one might be, what would be, what would feel like a win? How many people would you like to sign up for your email list in a month? Like what would feel like a win for you? Now, this is just helping us understand what level are people at? Do we know? Are we assuming that they're beginners? Are we assuming that they're further along? Like what is success to them? Because my idea of success is going to be, you're different than your idea of success. So this just helps me get into the hearts and minds of my, my members. So I get to know what level they're at so I can speak into it. Or I might ask a question like, um, if you could, if you could, um, here's a great question as well. If you were tasked with um, getting a thousand, building an email list of a thousand people in the next 30 days, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And now the people are thinking, mm-hmm. oh, geez, I'd be in a mad panic. I'd be wondering how, like, these are all the objections that they're going to have coming up with the conversation. So you spent the whole week talking about this topic and then Thursday, like, great, I'm going to show you what you can do instead. So they now have, rather than being like topics all over the place, they have like that one core piece of content that they're so excited about that they want to learn about. Cause you've been talking about it all week. And guess what? By the time you do your live stream, your main dish content for that week, people are like, this is exactly what I was needing. Yeah. Cause I've been, I've been, I've Priming been like plant dropping it. the seeds. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so it all feeds into the next thing. So we we'll start with the end in mind and then we work backwards. So good. I love that. And I love, obviously I've heard the analogy with the rocks and the stones in terms of your time and that sort of thing, but I've never heard it kind of done in that way. And actually it just makes such perfect sense when you think about, especially in our sort of subjects in the online business world, there is so much like, you know, you're just taking how can you be seen and being seen might be you're going on Instagram or you're doing a podcast or you're doing a blog. Okay. So then one of those, those sort of smaller rocks are going to be okay. well, let's talk about Instagram. And then one of those small things might be smaller again and smaller again. And obviously there's so much detail you can go into each, but I love the fact of you're not necessarily just trying to produce content, i.e., Monday, this is what a lead magnet is. Tuesday, here's five ideas. Wednesday, this is what you should do on a landing page. Thursday, because it's like overload, overload, overload. You're trying to get some of those questions you use. Like you said, we're trying to get an idea of where they are, how they feel about it, and then give them something that helps, you know, in there and all leading to that bigger thing. So I love that. That's so good. So how do you feel then? Because I think one thing that some people struggle with is that conversion. Well, I think generally people struggle with the conversion anyway, but how do you, how do you go to convert? Do you ever go straight to a sale or do you always take them to a, something like a challenge or a webinar or something between the sale? Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, the important thing to recognize is that if you want to create, if you want to build at scale, you've got to bring people into a shared experience in the container that's going to move them through that, which is going to be those rocks, which is going to be your sales system. Mm-hmm. That That is the only way to grow at a level of scale that is predictable and, and sustainable that you have the opportunity to be able to continue. Now, when I first started my Facebook group, 
I was trying out a whole bunch of things. I was putting sales posts in there and all sorts of different things. And did I make sales throughout? Yes. Was I booking calls for it for discovery calls for clients? Yes, 100%. But what I found was that in doing that, it ends up feeling like a bit of a mismatch sometimes, like I've got a little bit here, a little bit there, and it's kind of disjointed. And it's really hard to get known for one thing or like be seen as like the expert in one area if 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 it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that creates community and connection is like we were talking about asking those questions for your client, you know, for the members to share things about themselves. But the other thing, because it's not the group itself that creates the connection, is what you're doing inside of the group. Mm-hmm. So if you bring people together on a shared experience and you're bringing them through a challenge or some sort of start to finish experience together. What you're doing now is everyone in the group that's participating it are doing something at the same time together in the same moment. Mm-hmm. So you've probably had an experience in your life, you know, and an exa- you know, you've probably had an experience in your life, you know, top of mind to me as an example. I was, you know, I I've run marathons before, so I've been there as a spectator watching other people run and supporting them, which is great. Mm-hmm. But that's an entirely different experience than actually being in the thick of it, running. Mm-hmm foot after foot, like, you know, crossing the finish line and going through everything in between. And the people that you go through that with have a much different perception or experience of the experience and doing it together. Right. And so the same goes for when you're in your group, when you're bringing your members together to come through a shared experience, when people go through something together, right. When you go through hard times together, you go through stretches together, you go through celebrations together, you go to a concert together and you experience like like back in the day when that was a thing. Yeah. When you were allowed, (laughs) (laughs) right. You go to a concert together and you have this, you're on fire and you've had this experience and you're vibrating and you were there together and the things that happen on stage and what someone said and the inside jokes and the experiences that you have came from being in that experience together. And you cannot create that level of connection from saying, oh yeah, I went to the show when I did this and you're explaining the story is entirely different. So if you have the opportunity to bring people through for your your free experience, you're bringing the people through, they get to go through it together. They build connections. They create a lot of conversation. They have a sense of togetherness. And there, you're going to be able to predictably move people a lot faster and and higher volume into your paid programs as a result of it. Yeah, yeah. So, would you let's say you were doing a challenge, for instance, would you open a new group and challenge it through there, or would you run a challenge in your existing group? So, I think that the you know I love pop up groups. I use pop up groups. That's you know. Um, how I run, you know, how I run, use them in my business yeah. now is using pop-up groups for campaigns. And it's a ton of fun because it's a lot of energy over mm-hmm. a you know short period of time. But when you're in the beginning of building your group, you've got to reach a level of mastery with your group before you start branching off and diluting your efforts and going into other places. So if you're early stages and you're starting your group or, you know, you have a few hundred members or even a thousand members and having the experience inside of your group is going to bring your members together, right? We don't want to take them away. We want to keep them together because it's going to grow your group. It's going to engage your group. It's going to create that connection. So you want to host it in your group. Once you start getting growing at scale where you have thousands of members, or maybe you're doing a product launch on something that is not necessarily in alignment with the group. Maybe it's a little bit off topic or a little bit different that you want to separate people out as a result of that. You can use a pop-up group, but if you do that too soon, you're doubling up on your effort, your energy, and yeah. you're actually diluting the effectiveness. Yeah, yeah, I can totally get that. Because like you said, with the pop-up stuff as well, 
I do a, a course that's live and they follow me along and the energy for that course is insane because obviously yeah. we're all working together and hearing what you said about, you know, we they all have the same ups and downs. They all have the same experiences. They, they feel like at the end of those two weeks, they are so part of a group. It's unbelievable because every single day we've showed up, every single day they've done the work, they're supporting each other. It's a completely different feeling, but also it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work from my point of view. So I couldn't imagine trying to run that alongside running, you know, another group as well as my academy and that sort of thing. So I think you're right. Trying to, you've just got to think it's like taking on an entirely new social media almost or an entirely new project that you've got to put that time and effort into. So what I'm interested now is like, is there anybody that this, that groups don't work for or you shouldn't consider them or is, you know, do you feel that, groups could work for anybody in any guise of business? Yeah. So I think groups work for three different types of people. Number one is someone that's early stages of getting started. They might not have their offer figured out yet, but they have an idea of who they want to serve. Now a group works amazingly well for this type of person because they can start building their own community of their own people. And then they can use engagement questions inside of the group to get into the hearts and minds of their members and actually develop their offer based on the feedback from their members. So it gives them a lot of clarity to refine what the product they're going to create or what their offer is going to look like based on that. So it's great, works great for those people. The second type of person that it works really well for is someone that is making, uh, you know, making some sales here and there, uh, but they just want to see more consistency. And a group gives you the opportunity to have an environment of very warm leads at your fingertips all the time. Right. And you can really see, see them. You can see their faces, you know, who's active, you know, who's engaging, you know, who you're connecting with, and it gives you the opportunity to have them more readily available to you and know who they are. So you can Mm -hmm. follow up with people and connect with them more deeply. And then the third type of person that a Facebook group is, it works really well for is, um, is businesses that are already doing really well with their launches and their campaigns. And they know that they have the opportunity to be able to enhance the experience by having a Facebook group to go alongside of the experience that they're creating and creating that connection with it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I've had um, clients and students that have had, you know, seven figure businesses that have run seven figure launches that have used a Facebook group to what's already working really well, just as a complimentary opportunity to be able to create that deeper connection. Cause you know, we were already heading in the direction that uh, connection is currency. And now with everything going on in the world and more separation and lockdowns at the time of this recording, now more than ever, people are craving that, right? We're, we're, mm. we're missing that in our in our daily lives. So it gives the opportunity to be able to do that. So on the flip side is, who's a group not for? If you're not going to be consistent or willing to be consistent in showing up, then don't open a group because you're going to break trust with your members. Yeah. And trust happens from consistency and having people know what they can expect from you. And it doesn't mean like, you know, we're talking about the examples of content. You know, most of my students, they, they, they spend maybe, you know, in managing their group, maybe 30 minutes a day in managing their group when they're in maintenance mode of their group. So it's not mm-hmm. a lot of time, but it is time. Right. And so you have to be willing to show up and you have to be willing to be consistent. And if you're not, then it's absolutely not the right place for you. If you don't value connection with your members and you don't really want to get to know individual people or really see people, and that's not something that you value in really building those relationships, then it's not for you. But I hear sometimes people saying, because I'm a massive introvert. I like having time to myself. I like, you know, I would say, you know, I like having time to myself. 
And so yeah. sometimes people are like, well, I don't know if I like talking to people all that much. I'm like, I don't really like talking to people that much either <laughs> on a, on a grand scale of things. But I love what happens is introverts love deeper connections. They don't want to be surface level conversations. Yeah. They don't want like chitter chatter surface level. They're like, no, like I really want to get to know people. And so mm-hmm. your Facebook group gives you the environment to do that. And then if you're an extrovert, you have the opportunity to have a party in your group and you can, you know, you can have this yeah. space and really be fueled by the energy of the group. So I think it works for either, or, but I know that's sometimes a question that's coming up like, Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is so good. Honestly, I'm, I'm loving all these conversations. I'm so conscious of our time. So I've just got a few kind of quick fiery questions. I've been jotting them down as you were speaking. So is there a group size that's just too big? Like, is there an optimal group size? Um, so it is, it's personal. It really is. It's personal. So it depends on you as the host of what fires you up and excites you. The larger your group gets, the the uh, lower your percentage of engaged members will be. It's just part of the equation. Just like a, the bigger your email list goes, the less engaged your email list is. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, it's part of the numbers. So it really depends on you. You know, I have, you know, students that love having a group of a couple hundred members and they just think it's great. And they're doing, you know, they're happy having that six figure, maybe low multiple six figure business with that other members that want to have, you know, thousands of members or, you know, or like everyone has a different sweet spot. So I don't think that there's a magic answer to everyone. Like once you get past this mark or it's, it's too much because it has the opportunity to continue to grow. The most important piece is making sure that your members are, aligned with who you want to serve. Otherwise you're going to fall out of love with serving them. And you don't want to be showing up in your group thinking like, Oh my gosh, what did I create? Because I just allowed everyone in. Cause I wanted big numbers for my ego metrics to make me feel good, which, you know, I've, I've done that too, you guys. So yeah. don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then realize I went down the wrong path. So it's a totally personal. Okay. Uh, what about community managers? So there are some, my group, I am the only person who I've got team members in there who jump on responses because they are good at answering them, but then I don't task them to, uh, they are just a really active member of the community. And I always respond and it's always me. No one logs in as me. It's my account. It's my personal Facebook profile that's responding. But I know some groups have just full on community managers and they're not the ones responding. And I'm not even necessarily talking about massive groups here. So what is your, like, because to me, the reason I guess I justify me being selected in my group, one, the group is is not big at all in terms of like, it's not thousands. Two, it's a paid thing. They're paying to get me. And therefore, that's why I am so, you know, diligent about making sure I show up. What if it's a paid group or if it's not, whether that makes a difference, what's your take on you building a community and you not being present in that community? So, yeah, I think that there's a bit of a difference between a free group and a paid group. Mm-hmm. So if, if, no matter what, you get to be present in your group, but it doesn't mean that you need to be there for every single moment of every yeah. single thing that's happening. So you need to be delivering your core piece of content, like whether that's you being on video or what have you, that it gives you presence. Because what happens is as your group grows, people don't even know who the host of the group is. If you're not active and present, people are yeah. like, I don't know. They don't even know who the host of the group is. So you need to have, you need to claim ownership and really own your space and, yeah. and, and lead, right? And that comes with being present. But, um, you know, when it comes to 
free group. That being said, having community managers helping with managing group approvals, managing rules, making sure people are doing what they say they're going to be doing, or even boosting some engagement and connection with members that are in there, that is not something that needs to be you know, solely on you. But until you reach a level of mastery with that yourself, I don't recommend that you bring someone else on to do that because you've got to understand and know what works and how you communicate. And so when I brought on my social media manager that helps with managing groups, she would kind of learn my voice. How would I respond? What would I say? How would I say those things so that she can still respond as her and she can still do things, but she learned to think how I would think. And that, you know, gets to be developed over time. Now on the flip side in a paid group, it's really about like, what is the promise, right? Like what is my promise for delivery on what I'm providing? And so, you know, I have, uh, you know, I've been in the space where I've done all of the engagement, all of the interaction in paid groups. And I've also had paid groups where I have team members who are coaches that are in the group that are answering questions. And, you know, when you're looking at starting, it's very different than when you're growing at scale. When you're growing at scale, you can't possibly manage all the volume with all the questions on your own. And most people start asking a lot of the same questions over and over and over again in paid groups. And so to be able to have, you know, frequently asked questions and responses that you've created, that you have someone else helping manage and support with that or directing them where into the membership area or whatever you're delivering your program, directing them back there, asking questions to help them look at things I don't think that needs to be 100% on your shoulder. But again, until you've you've got to be able to build up your baseline and have had your success with your clients and be able to create the results for your clients and the experience that they wanted before you ever bring on additional people. And you know, when I first brought on my very first program coach, she was a student and she was already helping people in the group naturally. Yeah. And I was like, hold on a minute here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you yeah. want to come on and be part of the team? Because she was already showing up that way in support of the group. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you see that. And I definitely see it. There are some members who are really, who've been in a long time. They're really good at kind of putting stuff in there. If Because I don't have structured content in the paid group because the content gets delivered in other ways. I do lives in there and I do. So I suppose that is the structured content, but it's not like I don't have a group where on a Monday we post Monday motivation. On a Tuesday we post Tuesday, whatever, you know, we don't, it's not structured like that. So it's really nice to have those members who do feel that they're happy just to drop in and and say things. So another quick question was engagement. You touched on it earlier when you said that the larger the group, the less of the engagement. Is there a, you know, and I know it's never one size fits all, but is there a percentage that you expect to get? Is there a percentage that you should aim for? You know, because obviously you're going to build this group and some people are just going to stay quiet and you're going to be like, What's the point in being in this group? People like me who just voyeur, that's 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 the truth. So so what's your thought on a percentage? So here's the thing, what most people don't realize is that most people measure engagement based on likes and comments. So like, oh, these people, how many people are liking, how many people are commenting? Yeah. But that's actually not a true measure of engagement. So true measure of engagement is people that they're liking, they're commenting. They're reading, they're clicking read more to read your post and they're watching your videos, even though you might not necessarily see them. And so actually in your group insights inside of your, uh, in your dashboard for being a group host inside your insights, you have the opportunity to take a look at your active members and have the opportunity to compare that to your total members inside of your group and get a percentage based on that. 
Now that those are true active members, not just people that are liking and commenting, but people that are observing. And what most people are shocked with is how many people in the group that are actually active that they never knew. Yeah. And because they thought it was lower, they were stopping and starting with their content and showing up and then not showing up and being inconsistent with it. Cause I thought people weren't paying attention. And most often when people look at that number, they realize, Oh my gosh, these people are actually tuning in and they're watching, they're paying attention. Yeah. And when you stop and start and, and show up and then don't show up, you break trust with your members. Yeah. So it's important to have that true measure of your active members. And, you know, we go through, we've got a framework in the sense of, you know, based on number of members that you have, what percentage you should be at, but just to simplify things is you want to look at that and make sure that your active members are at least 50% active members compared to your total members. And again, that should be higher if your group's smaller and, um, def- but definitely 50% is kind of your minimum, like base, base, yeah. base, baseline yeah. minimum of where you want to be at. And you certainly want to be, you know, you want to be above that, but that's a good place to just start and say, okay, am I above that? If you're below that, you've got some, you really got some work to do to start getting in, getting that engagement and conversation going with your group before you th- start thinking about selling or doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. So, so my last question Obviously, the one word we hear all the time in an online space, and especially if we're dealing with other business owners, is the overwhelm. And I know that, like, obviously, working in this space, I would say that, you know, we're fairly savvy when it comes to tech. And obviously, you know, I have my Facebook set up so that the groups are pinned that I want to see and 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 I silence other groups that I'm either in and I don't want to be seeing their stuff or whatever. But is there a is there a fear of you know, groups becoming even more popular than they are, which they are super popular anyway, because of the benefits that groups hold against the benefits of a, a Facebook page, which obviously are dramatically better to have a group. Um, but do you think that there's a concern that we're going to just get a bit overwhelmed with it all? Do you think we're going to, have you noticed, especially from five years ago to today, you know, has it changed? What do you think for kind of going forward for groups? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's changed a lot and there's way more groups now than there ever was before. You have to think about how many, you know, if you look at your inbox, right, how many people's email lists are you on? How many people do you allow in your inbox? How many people are you tuning into and paying attention to, or that you have over time? And that's not going to change. There's going to be more and more influencers coming out and sharing their own message. And the most important thing to recognize is that it's not about being the number one in the world, but it's about being the number one in your ideal client's world. And that means that there's people in the world that need to hear your message in the way that you deliver it through the lens of your own experience, through the lens of your skill set, through the lens of your own personality that has it finally land for them. And there's no other human being on the planet that has the same opportunity to be able to reflect and share in just the way that you do. And when we fully own that and grasp that and recognize that there's, you know, the, you know, with uh, the, the, the size of the planet and the people that are out there and the population of the world, there is a sliver of people that are meant to be in your space and for you. And it doesn't matter if there's other people talking about the same thing, because it's the way that you've connected with your people and shared that that's really landed with them. And we've all had an experience in our life where we've heard something several times. And then one person says it to us. And I'm like, Oh, I yeah. get it. Like it makes sense now. And you're that for someone. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. This has been so good. Christina. Thank you so much. You've cleared up some points. You've made it 
said to me in a, in a way that feels so understandable. And I know my audience are going to take so much. This. I, I've got a friend who has built a Facebook group. She's up to something like 1600. She's just started selling in the group. She was working her butt off to get this group off the ground. And I'm just listening to all the things you said. And it's like so much I can tell her, but so much that I'm thinking you're doing this right. Like you know, she's doing it the way it needs to be done. So thank you so, so much. I will obviously hook up to everything in the show notes, uh, make sure that people come and find you. Come and I'm assuming you have a free Facebook group currently. <laughs> Yes, we do. And, and like I was sharing, we have, um, we'll normally go through different pop-up groups as we're doing campaigns, but we're running a little bit of a test right now and, um, and we'll pop over the link, but it's called the cash flow method. And we're running a little bit of a test in regards to starting one of the things that's important to recognize is, is like, how is things working today? And so every year, multiple times a year, we'll start a brand new group from scratch and just test and see like, is this still working? Is this still functioning? So we're currently, in our campaign with with doing that and, and running that. So you get to come hang out with us if you want to come out. I love it. I love it. And we will definitely link up to that in the show notes. Christina, thank you so much for your time today. It's been so, so good. Thanks for having me. What did you think? I told you it was good. I hope you're scribbling down notes as I was, uh, like I said, through the original version as I'm recording it and listening to the replay. So, uh, so much good stuff to take from that. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, we have linked up to everything that Christine talked about and all her stuff in the show notes. So do go along. And as a reminder, all the show notes are either on the app that you're listening to, or you can find them at theresaheathwearing.com forward slash. And then you just put in the number of the episode you're listening to. So you would just put in 174 for Christina. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, why not go and share it with someone? Why not go and write a review or do something crazy, you know, share it on social media. I'd love that. Um, okay. Have a lovely rest of your week and I will speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 